What is good? Let's have some fun. It's the Fundamism Podcast with your host, Paul J. Long, and all things fun. We'll let the fun begin. Woo! What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Fundamism Podcast. I, as always, am your boy, Paul J. Long. We're coming to you from an exciting radio studio today. This is like the real deal. We're coming to you from 610 Sports Radio. Before we get into our exciting guest, I'd like to shout out our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. I'm actually uh, sporting this dope Charlie Hustle sweatshirt. Rob, you see this thing? Showtime, Patrick Mahomes. You know who that is? He throws no-look passes. So today, uh, we got a good friend, a uh, good friend and mentor of mine. Uh, he's, he's, he's pushed me along in my development Super excited about it. Mr. Bob Fesco, Kansas City legend. What's up, buddy? Am I allowed to talk now? Yes, you okay, can talk. Okay, I can talk now. How are you? Thanks for having me on this. I'm very excited. I'm on cloud nine. I love you're here. your equipment. I've told you that before, but now I actually get to see your radio equipment. It is fantastic. I love that you clarified my radio equipment. Uh-huh. Um, so first question I start with every single guest, Bob. Right. What do you do for fun? Hang out with you. I, no, I'm serious. You make me laugh. You make me smile. You always put me in a good mood. Thanks, man. That yeah. is true. We do. We dabble in some uh, afternoon drinks. Every once in a while when you're free and you're not too big for your britches and you can kind of hang out with the little people. In when I get an invite. You always get an invite. That's I think true. I'm free tomorrow if you want to go hang oh, out. Oh, what is good tomorrow? Hey, you know where you should go? We're going to Updown tomorrow to play oh. pinball All right. in the afternoon. Right. And we might go to John Stoner's Bar and Grill where he makes the Colonial Club, you mean? The Colonial Club. Yeah. You did a live show from there, I right? I did. Nice place. Fun place oh. down in, in Strawberry Hill and KCK. So. so I know this is far-fetched to believe that you have fun outside of just hanging with me, but mm-hmm. like you've had a stressful week at work. You want to get down to just like you and get your mind right. What do you do? I think hanging with my kids, man. I think that puts everything in perspective, like, mm. what, like what it's all about. I think too many people worry about everything that they shouldn't worry about, and they don't worry enough about the things they should worry about. And, I, and I, p- hanging out with the kids, seeing their reaction, seeing them play sports, picking them up after school, that makes me smile a lot. Now, then once they get home and they're, you know, hellions, then it's, a, you know, it's a different ball game. But there's about a 20-minute span there where I'm having the time of my life, and I'm smiling, and I'm laughing, and I'm joking with them, and then they get hungry or hangry, as we like to call yeah. it, and they have the Fesco gene, and, you know, it goes off the rails a little bit. But that puts everything into perspective. Being a dad changes everything. That's absolutely right. And you have uh, some adorable kids. We uh, we do share in some family experiences. My daughter loves your two daughters. So uh, we get to see that dynamic of you guys at home. And man, it does get crazy around the Fesco household from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you said hangry, and uh, you said that runs in the family. But you've been dieting. Or now it's a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle right? Yeah. But like, how do you how do you curb the the? Because like, you just eat cauliflower and, and I don't celery eat cauliflower. And- I hate cauliflower. I will not eat that. Chicken and lettuce is my my go to. Chicken, yeah. Does chicken. it have to be grilled? Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to be grilled for the healthy aspect of things. But how do I curb it? Celery sometimes, apple, banana, handful mm. of nuts. I love eating nuts. I'll tell you what. <laughs> man, Costco's got you. this set of fancy nuts that they sell now for seventeen ninety five. You get a big jar of nuts and the. Cashews, the almonds, you know, all the, the filberts. Seventeen ninety five unsalted, it's the best purchase you can make. What are filberts? I don't know. I just made that one. <laughs> I've seen that term before, though. I think it's a kind of nut. It's like a tree nut, right? I've never heard of it. Yeah. I, you are uh, So you are a morning show host for mm-hmm. 610 Radio. 
uh, been such for quite a while, mm-hmm. uh, are fantastic at what you do. Thank you. Somewhat polarizing, a lot of folks would say, yeah. in Kansas City. So talk to me about like your journey into... Um, because I want to talk more about how do you deal with the trolls and you know all that stuff mm-hmm. that people in the media have to deal with. But talk to us a little bit about your journey into the media. How did you get here? Well, I drove. Oh, yeah. What do you drive? <laughs> I started when I was like eight years old. Like, like people don't like believe that story. I know I tell it all the time. My dad's almost seventy, retired, and still doesn't know what he wants to do for a living. Right? He's still trying to find himself at seventy years old. And I knew at eight, man. I knew at eight watching the Giants play football on Sunday that I, I wanted to. I wanted to be like Pat Summerall and John Madden. John Madden was my idol growing up. I loved John Madden so much, and I wanted to be like him. And then I decided that, and kind of direct towards the talk side of things because I was a little too opinionated to be on the play-by-play side of things. Yeah, you you know, yeah, 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 absolutely me. So I decided that the talk route was going to be it. But I knew from eight, like, this is what I wanted to do. I knew I was never going to play sports. I knew I wasn't going to ever be big enough. And and quite honestly, I was too lazy. I didn't go and work out at five o'clock in the morning to try to play a sport that I didn't have God's gifts to to do anyway. So I figured I can talk about it. I I got a gift for Gab. I always did when I was a kid. And so that's just kind of where it went. And I just decided from the time I was eight to here I am at almost 42 years old, and I've been very fortunate enough to be able to do that. What's been the most challenging uh, moment in your broadcasting career? That's an interesting question because it's every day is a challenge. I mean, every day you you go to work and and you have to figure out, okay, what are we going to do for four hours to keep people entertained? Because everybody thinks they can do your job and they can't. And, and I'm not saying that to be braggadocious. I'm not saying that to be an ass or anything like that. It's just, it, there's a lot of prep time. I mean, people say, well, you only work four hours a day. I go, yeah, but there's 20 hours a day preparing for that four hours a day. And I think the challenging thing is how to stay fresh, how to stay informative, how to stay entertaining, how to stay on top of everybody's mind as well and, and always be at the forefront of everybody. Like, if I want sports, I know I got to go to 610. I know I got to go to Fesco to hear what they're going to say. So every day is a challenge. Every day is a different challenge because what you did yesterday just doesn't matter. I mean, you can't say, well, we talked about that yesterday. You've got to find a way to kind of keep the same topics fresh, entertaining, different, and kind of moving in a, in the forward direction. You bring up a great point in, in terms of keeping things fresh. Uh, you and I have talked before about, you know, why don't you talk more NBA basketball or why, mm-hmm. why don't we talk more KU or, you know, Imazu or whoever you're a fan of. And you told me the listeners don't want to hear that right now. Like if it's not Chiefs right now, no one wants to talk about it. Well, I mean, what, what's everybody not- talking about in Kansas City? I mean, we, we had an old boss here by the name of John Hansen, who you know, his wife danced with both of us for the BMA Dancing with the Stars. And some would say she's more talented than he is. But he gave me... <laughs> hotter, s- too. A much hotter. Well, I don't know about that. John's a pretty good looking cat. Yeah, he's got that tall factor. He does, yeah. Um, but the, the advice that he gave, and the, the one thing that I'll take away from him is talk about what sports fans are talking about. And right now, sports fans and everybody, not just sports fans, but everybody in Kansas City is talking about the Chiefs. They can't get enough of what's going on at, at Arrowhead with this football team because of how they grabbed the city. It's like in 14 and 15, if you weren't talking Royals, you were missing the boat, man. You were missing the, t- the boat on that one. So if I'm sitting here talking about the NBA or college basketball, nobody gives a rip about any of that in Kansas City right now. They care about who are we going to face in the second round of the playoffs? What do we think Patrick Mahomes is going to do? And can this defense go out there and get a stop? And and man, it's been so enjoyable to watch this football team play because of how fun they are. And, you know, 
people I know in this town are so negative towards the playoffs and so negative towards Arrowhead in the postseason and potentially the Colts in the postseason. But we got a quarterback that we've never had before that has brought a different way of thinking to not only sports fans, but to people in general and in life. I, I met with a woman a few months ago by the name of Shelly Armato. She runs a company called My Smart Plans. And it's a company that basically deals with construction companies and keeps everybody on track. We don't have to get into the long and Logistics. short Logistics. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, basically keeping all everybody in line. You're going to be here. This is going to be done. That's gotcha. going to be done. The, the organization of everything. And she talked to me about, she called it the Mahomes effect. And I said, well, I'm stealing that. I'm going to use it on the radio. She goes, no, it's true. I mean, because you look at a kid like Mahomes, who a lot of people didn't believe in when he was getting, you know, drafted and, you know, he was unorthodox and played at Texas Tech and who knew what to expect from him. You thought Baker Mayfield was going to have better stats. And I remember. Baker Mayfield put up some pretty good numbers. We were he actually did. talking about it this morning. Like if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have this unbelievable season, Baker Mayfield's being talked about as the best quarterback in the AFC this year because of what he was able to do. Um but she said the Mahomes effect. I go, what do you mean by the Mahomes effect? And she goes, just the impact of positivity that, you know, if you believe you can do it, you can do it. Look what Mahomes is, what the effect that he's having right now on this city. And this was like back in October or November. We talked about the Mahomes effect. And I think he has given a lot of people a different way of looking at things. Instead of having, oh, we can't win, you now have, and at least I have, hey, we can win because we've got this kid who has had this impact on this city like no other athlete has had before. Right. The other thing that I would struggle with if I was in your role and with somebody, your skill set and uh, as entertaining as you are, and that's what I feel like people tune in for. They they tune in for entertainment. Yes, absolutely. Especially in the morning. They don't they don't want to hear a breakdown of a 3-4 defense. Quite honestly, that's boring. Exactly. And so with your skill set and your ability to talk, if I was in your shoes, I feel like I can make anything entertaining. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, thinking through whether we were to potentially have an NBA team or some, you know, awesome sports movie that I watched. And you do dabble and stuff like that, obviously. But I feel like you have the ability to make any topic interesting. Is that something that you ever like struggle with? You you still know what the listeners want to hear, and you you don't force your hand down any other path. Well, I, I think I, I've got a great supporting cast with that, with Josh Klingler and, and Ryan Wachowski. I mean, the, the three of us together make it work and find ways to make certain things entertaining. Because college basketball is not an entertaining product by mm. any stretch of the means. There is no way in shape or form you can tell me right now college basketball is entertaining. It's not. But we found a way to make it kind of entertaining today to talk about why it's not entertaining. What has changed over the years? Where do you see you know, the sport going? It only matters in March. Why does it only matter in March? Why has the play gone down? You find ways to make things entertaining. And that's because you got great people around you. And, mm-hmm. and without those two guys, I mean, we, w- we wouldn't be able to do what we do. The, these two guys and, and, and Spectre in the past, you know, w- with that as well. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of good people who, when you throw out an idea, they fire back something. They challenge you on something. They figure out ways to maybe make something that isn't entertaining very entertaining. Like the other night we watched the the, the Masked Singer. I don't know if you saw that. I saw a little bit of it. The unicorn yeah. and all that stuff. Dancing mm-hmm. How entertaining was that? Like that was one of the best things. We talked for hours about that after that because it was so entertaining and trying to figure out who is who. You can take anything and make it entertaining if you can find the right angles to it. That's true. I, we actually were watching that. We turned it off Why? To, to watch a movie called White Boy Rick. Oh. You ever heard of that? No, I have not. It is amazing. Is it? Matthew McConaughey's in it. Oh, I like him. It's about the youngest ever uh, FBI informant hmm. took down a whole drug ring. It's crazy. Interesting. 15 years old. Have you watched Detroit. Bird Box yet? 
Is that the name of it? Bird Box? Bird Box. Yeah, with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. I haven't watched it. I haven't it. watched it yet either. Maybe you should come over. We can watch it together. That sounds like a, a great time. Okay. I was noticing that in your accolades and, and thoughtful words that you are giving to uh, individuals that have helped prop you up mm-hmm. and make your show what it is today, you you really didn't mention any guest hosts that you've had in the past. Oh, there's been so many. Too yeah. many names. So many great yeah. ones. I mean, there's like the Paul Longs right? of the world uh-huh. and... This one really it's actually pretty, pretty, much pretty where short it starts list. And ends. Yeah, very very right. short list. Yes, very short list. Absolutely. But it is. It's cool to to hear you talk about challenging yourself and surrounding yourself uh, with people that will challenge oh, you. You can't do anything on your own. Like like and and I was telling who was I talking to the other day? Oh, it was Spectre. He took over as as the new boss of Six Ten, and I said, "Don't try to do it on your own. Ask for help." And and I think you experience that once you get older. Like sure. when you're in your twenties, you've got the word by the balls, man. You you've got this thing. You got it. You know what you're gonna do. And then by the time you hit 30, you realize you're stupid. And then by the time you hit 40, you realize you don't know anything. Right. And you need all the advice of everybody around you. It, it takes age to kind of figure that out. And it's not a sign of failure or anything that you're looking for help. It's a sign of, hey, some people have better ideas. Some people can make things work that I can't make work. It's, it's better to, to have a village, you know, instead of just trying to do everything on your own. Sure. But there is one thing that I feel like you've done really well on your own, at least. I mean, you've had a lot of drive and it's something that I admire you a great deal for. I gave you grief earlier about cauliflower and celery and all mm. that stuff. Um, you did change your lifestyle uh, to get a lot healthier. Sure. And that is a decision that you make. And I'm always, you know, peer pressuring you up, trying, hey, man, you want to get down on these wings or whatever. And, you, and you're pretty darn good about saying, no, I, I don't want that. Because obviously. The- you eat like like it's unbelievable how you eat. Food you, is amazing. It is, and I love food, and I have an addiction to it, and yes. I'm not afraid to admit that. I have a very addictive personality, sure. and it's not just food. I mean, like I have to limit what I drink, you know, because I can't sit there on a Tuesday night and just have a cocktail. I have to have ten, and so I know that if I don't have any, I'm fine. But as soon as I crack open a bottle. I'm drinking until the cows come home. That's just my personality. And that's the way it was with me with food. I can't go in and say, oh, I'll just have, I'll split an order of wings with you. I'll take two orders for myself. You know, wow. I'll have that whole pizza for myself. Yeah, I heard you say today that you wanted three, you you can't stop at two cheeseburgers. You got to have three. You got to have the third. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. right. Like, I, I just can't. So I knew in order to change my life, to lose weight, to become healthier, I have to drastically change my life. And I know there are people who get on me for that and they go, God, you're so regimented. But that's me. Yeah. That, that, don't worry about me. Exactly. It's not you. You don't have to do it. You don't have to follow this. This is who I am. This is what I have to do in order to maintain the lifestyle that I'm in right now. And I look at a piece of candy and gain 10 pounds. It's real, like I, I, it's very upsetting, right? right? I, I can't splurge. I can't go out and enjoy something because I feel like I'm gaining that weight back. And so I've got to be very regimented and I don't care what, what you say about it or what my wife says about it, my wife or anybody, <laughs> like I've got to do what's best for me. Nobody knows you as well as you know you. And I know what my strengths and weaknesses are. So that's interesting though, because so many folks, um, especially in like social settings, you talked about drinking. Mm-hmm. There's always that one person that's like, hey, are you not drinking tonight? Why, you should have a drink. Right. What is the, what drives that? Is that an insecurity in I that individual? So. Yeah, because I we've all done that. We've all been that guy. Come on, drink. You know, right. all right, fine. And you know, the, the guy's like missing work the next sure. day. Like, oh my, what did I just do there? Right. What kind of drunk are you? 
happy. Are you really? I think so. I don't get mad. I get mellow. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that. I get mellow. I don't get. I don't get angry. There's a lot of angry drunks. Out Man, there. oh god, they're nasty. But yes. I, yeah, I just you know I, I I enjoy myself. I feel like you had a metaphor in life and what you just said. Like your life would be so much better if you stopped worrying about what everybody else was doing and just did you. And, and I kind of have done that. Yeah. I mean, you, you you mentioned the social media. I can't remember the last time I responded to a tweet or actually sent something out because. I just don't care because this, the social media aspect of the world has just become a negative cesspool. And there's obviously there's obviously good people and and everything, but the majority of the feedback you get is negative and stuff like that. I'm like I'm 40 plus years old now. I've got a wife and two kids. I don't need to deal with that in my life. And so I've cut that out. And I think that's helped me a lot. Like, I don't spend time looking at Twitter anymore. I don't really spend that much time concerning myself with what other people think about me because it really doesn't matter. It's a small percentage of the population that thinks everything is terrible. And so if you start to read that kind of stuff, it starts to infest and gets into your mind. And then you start to believe, oh, my God, I suck. I'm terrible. I'm a horrible human being because Twitter's saying this stuff about me. And then Mm -hmm. you realize, like, Twitter's like 2% of America. And you think about what small percentage of Kansas City is on there. So I just said to myself, I'm just not going to get caught up in the negativity. Life's too short to be negative about things and live in a world where everything is focused on the negative instead of living in a world where things are focused on the positive. That's that's amazing because it's a conversation that you and I have had time and time again, uh, specifically relation to Twitter and and Facebook even for that regard. At least Facebook, you put your name on it, you know? Exactly. With, with, With Twitter, you're an anonymous person or an egg or something like that, you know? What was the moment that you realized the stuff didn't matter because I remember last year, sometime last year, two years ago, you used to get wrapped up in the, yeah, the Twitter beef. So I did. What was the moment where you're like, you know what? Forget this. I think it, it happened over the summer when when people claimed I had burner accounts and I was you know, tweeting things that were. You know, Danny Duffy called me. He goes, bro, you're getting beat up on Twitter. I go, for what? And and like all this stuff was coming out. That I had all these burner accounts and all this nonsense. I'm like, all right, I'm out of this stuff. I'm out of this business. And it ended up being like two 14 year old kids who thought they were going to have a good time and start, you know making stuff up about me. I'm like, I just, I'm just not dealing with that. I'm done. I'm right. Out, so. so you mentioned Danny Duffy. Mm-hmm. That's a, a dude that we have in common. Kind of, uh, you know, the beginning of you and I's relationship happened mm-hmm. back in 2014. We had a mutual mutual friend and Pam Highland that we didn't really know Ooh. about. Exactly. Uh, but that, of course, is your mother-in-law. Oh. Uh, oh, <laughs> I love my mother-in-law. She, I, I love her to death. Like I, she can move in with me tomorrow if she wanted to. What do you love most about her? Um, everything. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, out. like, like, it's hard to say. Like, she's just there for us. You know. Sure. It's, you know, we we moved back to Kansas City in 2010. We stayed with them for six months. Like, she's never said no. She's always been there, always willing to help. Just you know, she's just a, an extension of the family, and it's so important to have her around. Well, speaking of the reason why I brought it up, speaking of somebody always willing to help out, that's exactly how we got connected. So in 2014, the Royals are going on their magical run. I, of course, with my buddy John Stoner, wearing these ridiculous cat suits. You were? Uh, yeah, something silly. We got connected with a 501c3 called Noah's Bandage Project. Scott mm-hmm. Wilson, obviously Danny Duffy's connected, started for the Royals. And you and I crossed paths. And uh, I just feel like we see things very similarly when it comes to putting yourself out there to help others. So is that something that you've always had innately no, or is it? Uh-uh. No, not, not at all. And it, it, it was it was something, and I credit John McCarthy, who's the, the executive director of Team Smile right now, with bringing this part of me out. And it was in, what year did the Royals win the World Series? 2015. 2015. So it was January of 2015. And he had asked me to be on um, 
it was a 2015 that I did it or was it 2014, 2014, 2015. He'd asked me to do dancing with the stars for the BMA foundation. And I said, I don't know what this is all about. I don't know. You want me to dance and raise money for what? I don't, I have, I have no idea what this is about. And so, but I agreed to do it because he was working for Charlie's house at the time, which was a, a great uh, nonprofit here in town. Who's building a prototype house to show parents how to protect their home against things that could potentially lead to, you know, to death. Charlie passed away by pulling a dresser down on him. And no, Crazy. Who, who knows about that kind of stuff, right. right? You don't think about that kind of stuff. And so he was the executive director at the time, and he said, would you be willing to do this? I'm like, all right, I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll go take a couple of dance lessons. But I didn't realize the fundraising aspect that was involved with it and what difference this kind of stuff made. And I credit John McCarthy for changing my life and, and, and opening my eyes to all of this because if he never asked me to do Dancing with the Stars – I, I don't know that I'd ever be involved with, with, with Team Noah and now BMA Foundation and, and moving on to another foundation board for, for autism and just all the other stuff that, that we're able to accomplish and, and do would not have happened if it wasn't for John opening my eyes to this and saying, I want you to do Dancing with the Stars. And I tell him that all the time, and, and he doesn't want to ever hear the, the accolades or, or anything like that. But if it wasn't for him asking me to do it, we probably aren't sitting here today talking about mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Because growing up, I I, we never did anything like that. We never did nonprofits. We never did donating and, and giving back or all that kind of thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's become more important in the community now or whatever it was, but it was never something that I was really a part of. And I got involved. I got entrenched. I got, and I saw the difference we were making for people and the smiles that, you know, it wasn't necessarily a monetary thing. It was like people are smiling and having a good time because they got a moment in their lives where they're dealing with a bunch of shit and they don't have to deal with it for this moment in time. And I saw that difference. And I said, boy, that really kind of bit me that, you know, helping others bug. And I love doing it. Like, there's nothing better than just putting a smile on somebody's face. And my kids are that way now. They didn't want Christmas this year. They wanted to give the needy families and foundations and things like that. So we did that. And it's just, it's been a game changer for me. So New Year's was recent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a time where everybody's doing all these New Year's resolutions. And they're saying, I'm going to get in the gym more. I'm going to diet more. I'm going to do whatever it may be. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. And I think about you and you're obviously in the media and you're, you're, you're always in the limelight, either on the radio or on TV, you know, talking about Chiefs or Royals or, you know, 501c3s, whatever it may be. I don't see you as the type that would enjoy being in front of a thousand people watching you dance as a skill set that you don't necessarily own innately. Yeah. Talk to what me are you about. Saying? I'm not a good dancer. I mean, I'm saying I don't think you were born. It's very insulting. <laughs> I don't think you have a ton of rhythm, is what I'm saying to you. Tell me about that experience. Were you nervous? Was that no, the most nervous no, you've I, ever been? I, no, it wasn't. I when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I was quite the thespian. I like. I, I really, yeah, yeah, actor, you know, I, I really like entourage pisses me off because I should be Vinny Chase. And I tell my mother that all the time. I said, we, I grew up outside of New York city. I said, you had all these opportunities to get me involved in acting and on the stage. And you push me kind of to the sports side of things. I think at that time, guys are supposed to do sports, you know, wasn't necessarily the route you were going to take. And I thought, man, I, I really liked acting. I like performing in front of people. I do like, and, and doing dancing with the stars was, you know, very, um, exhilarating, you know, mm. like it just like, it gave me that bug again that, Hey, I got to get out here and, and act and be in front of people and do this kind of stuff because 
I just like it. It's just it's it's a, it's a rush of adrenaline, man. And I forgot how good that was because I haven't done it since eighth grade. You know, but you're not the dude that's going to go out on a dance floor and dance if there's music on. I no, feel like. I, I don't do that kind of stuff because I know I don't. You, know, you got to know your limitations, sure. my friend. You know, right. you got to know your limitations, and I know I can't move. Well, so I'll I'll tell you. So I did it the year after you yep. uh, at your urging, mm-hmm. and it was an amazing experience. That was the most nervous I had ever been. I mean, really? I, I go on stage all the time. I yeah. speak to thousands of people. I, I think I was the nervous part for me, and you did it at the convention center. I did it at the old Marriott on Metcalf. The, the nervous part for me, and you didn't have, I don't know if you had to deal with this. We had to stand in the kitchen the yeah, entire time. Yeah, we did too. Did yeah. you stand in the kitchen? Yeah. So we're standing in the kitchen, and I was like last or second to last. I'm like, oh my God. That was the nervous just part, in just your standing head. there waiting for it to happen. Right. It wasn't necessarily going on the stage and performing and doing it. And when people are chanting your name and you know they're holding up signs, we're like, I got a rush of adrenaline. I, mm. That was that was spectacular, yeah. So I uh, recently was listening to a podcast, uh, Doug Benson. Do you know that guy? Uh, He's a comedian. Uh, he's made a living off getting high. Uh, but hilarious dude. And so they did a little bit on their podcast recently where they did uh, impressions. And they, okay. had to, they had to tell somebody to do an impression. I'm not going to tell you to do somebody's impression because I don't know your skill set. Do you do any impressions? Not really. I like to think I do every once in a while. They're you all... said you're a thespian, yeah, so I thought I'd give you an opportunity to shine. I don't know. Who do you want me to do? Why don't you throw somebody out there? Oh, and man. And then I'll try to do that person. Like, I fancy myself as a singer, so if you want me to sing I oh can, I can, do you I can, really yeah I'm Who, good. what's your favorite genre oh man I don't know I like Bon Jovi do you really yeah, get, get, give me a bar from Bon Jovi no I can't do that it's, what do you mean I can do share do you believe in life after love I was after on that love? today wasn't I Rob How I couldn't get up that, that was because that was your drop you you had that at uh going to break yeah because the NFL just got sponsored by Caesars Palace or That's something right, right? Yeah, and, and share was there or something like that oh yeah I think you said Actually, that she's gonna do Celine the Super Bowl that's right. On, yes, but yeah. So you guys, you guys segue to. Did you confuse those two? I, I always do. Don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I throw out a lot of nonsense, and people are like, "Huh?" Oh man, I, I feel like like Will Ferrell and I are very similar. How and, so? Um, just with nonsense. Like yeah. I don't know if you watched the Rose Parade on, on New Year's Day with I him didn't. on Funny he... or Die. Oh my God, he was making up some of the most ridiculous things about what was going on in the parade. And I do that a lot on the air, or I'll just say, like, you know, like we were talking about the other day, that song, It Never Rains in Sunny California or Southern California, and it's by Albert Hammond is the name of that singer. And I, and, and Ryan goes, oh, it never rains in sunny California, Southern California. I said, oh, yeah, Mama's and the Papas. And he goes, okay, I don't think so. So he Googles it. He goes, well, that's Albert Hammond who sang that. I go, yeah, who do you think the Papa was? <laughs> and just kind of go like that. And Witty. Yeah, like this kind of that, yeah. that kind of humor. It doesn't resonate for everybody. No, it, it really does doesn't. Like, it and you just have a sarcasm about you too that is really, it's tough for individuals to see. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, uh, you're, you're somewhat polarizing mm-hmm. in the community. And mainly it's because people don't know if you're being serious uh, or you're joking. Sure. And I think th- if you lean towards the fact that I'm joking 95% of the time, you're, you're, you're good. Agreed. But you do have, you're a very opinionated individual. Mm-hmm. And I would consider myself a friend. Uh, at least you are my friend. And when we're hanging out sometimes, you'll say things. And you'll say things in uh, true Bob Fesco fashion. It could be sports related or something opinionated. And I'll say to you, Bob, you can't possibly believe that. Like, you're not on air right now. And then you'll just, you'll just go, you'll put all your chips in. You know, no, I absolutely believe. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't do like, like my, my beliefs, like, I don't act in that sense on the air. 
like, like when I sing, that's acting. You never have a position that you exaggerate for the sake of not really no. listening. No. Really? Yeah. I, how how can you be authentic and do that? Well, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like there's a lot of radio show hosts that well, do that. But you can't you can't remember your lies. You know what I'm like. If you, yeah. if you if I got on there and made things up for the sake of making things up. And then we had the show the next day and we're talking about the same thing and I don't remember what I said the next day. Yeah. Then I look like an ass, That'd right? I look like an ass on my own anyway. Sure. So I <laughs> I can't get out there and just make things up or create a thought or create a side like they do on ESPN. That's not my game. That's not how I roll. Sure. So one thing that I do know about you is you do enjoy, for the most part, life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you struggled with your 40th birthday. You didn't like it. Still don't like being 40. What is the deal with that? I, I just feel old. I, I remember when my dad turned 40, and I was like eight years old at that time. I'm like, boy, he is so old, right? <laughs> and then you get there, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm here now, and that's where my dad was but at that But nothing time. changed. That's what I don't get. Like, the only the thing— The age that- changes. I don't like getting older. Like, I still feel like I'm 25. Yes. And I'm a hell of a lot closer to 50 now— than I am to 25. Mentally, I'll always be in that 25 stage. I will always be, that youthful enthusiasm will always be who I am. I will, I will always be, and it's always been from the time of the, the, that I was a kid. I always wanted to be Joey Zinnis, the kid that lived across the street. And my father used to say, you're like you know Peter Pan, you never want to grow up. And he used to get mad at me for that kind of stuff because I was like this as a child too, very sarcastic, right. humor type stuff. My mother would always be laughing and my dad would get mad and I'm like, why are you getting mad at this kind of stuff, you know? So I never wanted to grow up. I never wanted to age. And now I see myself in that 40, closer to 50 than I am to 25. And I don't like it because there's still, like, I'm still a kid. And I will always be a kid. I'm never going to grow up because I think growing up sucks. Sure. So that was always my argument to you. This is not something that you uniquely deal with. Like, there are so many people that listen to this and struggle with the thought of growing older. Oh, sure. Everybody does, yeah. But in that vein, when you think about what you just said, I'll always be 25 or I'll always be a kid or whatever. Maybe Rob's down here on the ground. He's looking awesome. We, we didn't know if you were posing or what. We're enjoying this. Are those Banana Republic Traveler pants? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're the best. I got every color. I got a new pair coming this week. I bet you don't have a stylist, though, like our cameraman, Rob. Rob, he purchases the services of a stylist. Like for to dress him? Yeah. I found those pants on my own. I'm not paying. <laughs> well, I would have never found these on my own. Oh, really? Just go into the store and be like, hey, what do you got? And I they like this. Shopping. Oh, I love it. So does she send you a box of stuff and you, like, like you give her your side? Oh, you have to go buy it? Yeah. It's not like the box. Have you seen those box deals? Yeah. That they, it's not one of those deals. No, more Dude, I'll take you shopping. We can go shopping. Right. Would you enjoy that? Yeah, let's do it. Gosh. Rob is amazing. He's got an amazing story. I'll have to tell it to you someday. Maybe I'll feature him as a podcast you guest. You should. He's crawling on the floor. You might as well. He he was raised in a country. Um, what, was it uh, of the old Russia? Former Soviet Union. Former Soviet Union. Which is the new Russia. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Listen, I mean, you heard, you heard the most recent deal. Uh, the Trump and the Russia deal with the Afghanistan. Did you hear all that yesterday? No, I really don't follow that much It's anymore. so fun, though. It's, it's so not, entertaining. It's, it's not. It really isn't fun. It's scary. It's not fun. Mm. It's it, not, it's not, it's Rob, not. what country are you from? Tartarstan. Tart- ah. Did you know? Tartarstan. Yeah. Yes. We're uh, very familiar with the Tartarstan. Are you really? Yeah. It's it's good company. They made, they made tartar sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, circling back... I know you enjoy life. Um, 
struggle with the 40th birthday. My point to you was always that if you're always 25 at heart or as a kid, then this 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 numeric age is just a number that doesn't matter because it's how you carry yourself and it's how you live your life. And mm-hmm. on the outward uh, or outwardly experience, I don't see you as acting any different or talking any different or having any less fun or acting less childish. So it always is interesting to me when I see people get hung up on this age thing. Well, it's death, bro. I mean, like, you're, you're getting closer to that, like, my kid's eight, nine years old now. They're going to be in college in 10 years. Yes. I'm looking at retirement and, and all this. Like, I worry about those things that are way out as opposed to maybe I should. I don't know, but I do. I think about those things all the time. You Tell know? me about a time where worry has moved you forward. Never. Hmm. Yeah. We well, my, my wife always says, don't borrow trouble and things like that. Oh. Yeah. So I don't anymore. I really don't. I don't what am I going to worry about? I can't control things I can't control. That's true. Well, the, the reason why I brought all that up is because you do typically live in the moment, and you've had some amazing experiences brought to you, not just by your personality, but obviously working here in the sports mm-hmm. industry. So what are some of your most memorable experiences that were created as a result of your, uh, your job? Mm, well, there's been a lot. I, I think the most memorable experience for me, and, and, and I've been very blessed and fortunate enough to be at Super Bowls and Final Fours and World Series. Chief Super Bowls? Not yet. Well, I don't know. When are we airing this? It's, com- it, it's coming. It, it no, coming. I think I think this will be uh, right before uh, our right before our second win. Okay. So in no, the playoffs. Not Chief Super Bowl, not yet, but headed there. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the best thing that I've been to, and, and I tell people this, this is, and it happened by just chance. And it was seeing Lance Armstrong on the final day of his last Tour de France win. And I was in Paris with my parents. Yes, I went to Paris with my parents. And they. it was the last day of our trip there. It was a week. And, and they're like, oh, we got to go see this museum where there's a concrete figure of Pluto. I'm, like, I'm not interested anymore. Please, enough. And there was a big crowd gathering on the Champs-Élysées in Paris, which is like the main street. And so I... What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the last day of the Tour de France. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Lance Armstrong. So he came and rode around a couple of times. This is before he was a douche. You right. know? And so I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm seeing one of the coolest things ever just by happenstance because I'm not going to look at the thinker, you know, engrossed in, in, in marble in some museum in Paris anymore. So I thought that was the most thrilling thing that I was part of because at that time, Lance Armstrong was looked at as like this great athlete. Nobody knew he was doping and lying. Did you, know? you Were you like destroyed or distraught when you found out that he was? No, because, I mean, to do something like that, let's be honest here, you got to be putting something in your body, True. right? That, that, it was the whole lying and denial. That's why Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and people ask why they're not in the Hall of Fame. They lied and denied. And, right. and I think in America, if you're up front and you admit and you, you say, yeah, I screwed up, you're going to be all right. Yeah, that's true. So Tour de France, mm-hmm. give me one more. Oh, the Royals winning the World Series. I mean, that's special. What specifically do you remember about that? Everything. I mean, like, you can go from, like, October of 14 to November 2nd of 2015, and that just a spectacular time for Kansas City, a spectacular time for us. But I always tell people the greatest month that I ever had in my work profession was October of 2014. I always ask that when I speak to, like, the Rotary Club, you know, the rubber chicken circuit and stuff like that. (laughs) It's the greatest month you've ever had at your job. Greatest and, month you've and, ever had in your job? And people look at you and they're like, never, you know? Here's this October. Right? And I said, mine's October 2014. That grabs their attention. They think, well, first of all, you know the greatest month. And then October of 2014, I think most people would look at that as one of the greatest months of their lives if you grew up in Kansas City. That's true. Because of that first World Series run by the Royals. That's like, so cool. It was, it was unbelievable. And they didn't win it 
And it wasn't that big a deal that they lost. No. It really wasn't. You you walked out of that stadium that night after game seven. High-fiving people. Yeah. I remember it vividly. Like, like Josh Klingler and I walked out and went, that was awesome, yeah. right? Like, hey, if we never get back, we, we had that experience. That was really cool. And we saw how many people used the Royals to get through crap in their lives, whether it was battling mm. cancer, diseases, or financial, whatever it was, man. People used the Royals as a way to escape. And I never realized, like, People did that before, like with sports. They use that as like an escape mechanism. And every night at seven o'clock, when the Royals came on, they were using that as an escape to get through whatever was going on in their daily lives and whatever was bad in their lives that day. And so that to me was really a, a big time eye opener. And and going through that 2014 season and then the 2015 season, you just knew, you just knew they were going to do something special, right? And and they obviously they did, and they won the World Series and. Being in New York, and I remember looking at it, like it was I think it was it was two fourteen in the morning, and I'm standing in the dugout talking to Dayton Moore, and I just went, wow, the, the Royals. I mean, like it, it just it takes time to set in because you're just constantly going. And I was working for a TV station at the time, so we were doing stuff at night, and then I was driving into the city and doing stuff in the morning. It was just like a a whirlwind, right? It was just a, an absolute whirlwind. And I remember coming home, taking off from LaGuardia. And I fell Best asleep. airport in the world. It's awful. What a dump. And I fell asleep. Like, it makes KCI look like a glowing. Um, and then I fell asleep on the plane as soon as we took off and then woke up and we, we had landed in Kansas City and then it was go home and then the parade was the next yes. day. And, and that, was, that was bigger than I think anybody ever expected. No, I don't think anybody expected the parade to be what it was that day and how just unbelievable that was and what that did, you know, for this town and, and how... You know, every time I talk about that that baseball team, it it, it makes me emotional yeah. because it it like baseball was important, but it wasn't about the baseball, right? It really was the way they it, carry it, themselves, the unity, the way that they brought the city together. Yeah, it, it was it was all about people finding out how great Kansas City is again yes. and believing in ourselves again more Cat than suits. anything because yeah, yeah, uh, because <laughs> people in Kansas City always feel inferior at times like oh we're not as good as chicago blah blah yeah but we are you know and and we got to stop living with that inferiority complex i think 30 years of losing in baseball else that you know it was awful and then to see that team turn it around and change the whole mindset of everybody i think it changed the mindset of everybody in this town from a well we can't to yes we can and we still have a ways to go you know that state line being in the middle doesn't help things but i still think that that baseball team changed the entire mindset of 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 everybody in Kansas City. It made everybody feel like they were winners. And you went to an airport and you had your Royals hat on and people were high-fiving you that you didn't know. And the world was rooting for you, man. man. It, was, it was really cool. It yep. was really awesome. And 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 I think that's kind of, you know, lit a fire under the Chiefs. I think they saw what the Royals did and how that parade was and the reception that they got. And they go, we got to figure out a way to do this because look at what happened here with the Royals, man. Look, 800,000 people celebrating us. We could get 800,000 people in red celebrating, you right. know? Right. I, I communicate with so many individuals to this day that I met as an extension of that 20. I, I, we're not here today if the Royals are. That's good. exactly right. No, I, 100%. My, like, if the Royals don't win in 2014 and 2015, I may not be in Kansas City. Who knows? I'm probably not a motivational speaker. Probably not. Because, uh, you know, so much of my story is dependent upon that that little piece or period in, our, in my life. So, yeah. well, um, We've interviewed professional athletes, interviewed, you know, media personalities, CEOs. You've obviously seen some success in your business. And obviously, we have a wide range of different types of listeners. What's been the biggest 
the biggest uh, caveat or the biggest, uh, I'm sorry, the biggest thing to your success. I'm, I'm really articulate today. You like that? Fine. You like that? What would you attribute your success to the most? If you could identify one thing, if you were giving somebody some advice that wanted to get into this line of business, what would it be? Don't ask what's in it for me. Don't ask where am I going to get paid. Don't ask how much money. You, you just got to be willing to work. You got to mm. be willing to, yeah. You, you you know what? You may not be on the clock, but you got to be willing to do things. You got to form relationships. I think I think ultimately that's what it comes down to, is forming the right relationships, being willing to work, being available, always willing to go the extra mile. I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but in this business, you have to do those kind of things. I mean, there there are so many kids today that walk out and expect to host a show in Kansas City because they you know they did a podcast. And they've never done anything else, you know, right. and they expect to be paid and, and whatnot. And I think there's there's more of a sense of entitlement now from kids than, say, when we were growing up and we came out and, you know, I was raised with hard work. My parents worked. I mean, that, that's the way it was. You, you were going to put in hard work and eventually you were going to succeed because you were willing to put in the work and the time and the effort for it. And I think in a field like this, you have to be willing to do that. It's not just from 6 to 10 a.m. That's the downtime, 6 to 10 a.m. The the time after 10 a.m. till you get back on the air at 6, that's that's the work time. That's the time you're putting in and making everything great. Yeah. It's almost like from 6 to 10, that's the art gallery where people could walk around and see yeah, what you've see, painted, yeah, right? They don't know what you know went, went into that. And then that's why I go back to what we started with. Like Everybody thinks they can do what we do. And I'll invite anybody in anytime they want. Here you go. They get five minutes in, and they're like, well, where are the phone calls? I go, oh, that, that doesn't really exist anymore. We don't, we don't take phone calls anymore. Right. But I still got like three hours and 55 minutes to go. I'm like, have at it. Yes. Yeah, so it is it is a lot of work. It's I'm a not, blast, you know, though, man. It, it, it I is. I have so much fun, it, especially when you got good people, like you yeah. said. So, well, rapid fire to, to close up. Favorite right. condiment? Well, I mean, are we... We're, what are we talking Top anything? Of the, the, don't look for the right answer. There's a wasabi sauce that I like made by Kikoman that is really good. It's got like 10 calories in a tablespoon, and I use that for everything now. It's like a dressing. It's and hot. It, it, it gets you that little, like, little boom kick and then it goes away just like you know wasabi does. But um, there's a – and I've never been a ranch dressing fan, as you know, but Smokehouse Barbecue has a ranch dressing that is to die for. It's making the list? Oh, my God. It's so good. Wow. It's so good. Favorite athlete of all time? My childhood idol was Don Mattingly. I loved him growing up. I love watching Mark Bavaro play. Derek Johnson is my favorite chief of all time. I love Danny Duffy. Um, but to, to pick one athlete, I don't know who that would be. I don't. I, I, I would probably go back. You go back to the, you know, the, the one that brought you, Don Mattingly. Favorite 80s sitcom? Whew, wow, all of them? Oh, yeah, uh, that's a good answer. Yeah. I'm going to take it. Yeah, Judges? We'll allow it. Yeah. Favorite wrestler of all time? I wasn't really a big wrestling guy. Really? Yeah. As much really crap was. as you talk, I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I was never allowed to watch that kind of stuff as a kid. We didn't have home box, as my parents called it. And MTV, we watched when Michael Jackson debuted Thriller. But we weren't, I mean, we, they, they, whatever reason, we weren't allowed to watch any of that kind of nonsense. So I never was into, into wrestling. Best thing that's happened to you today? Talking to you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Bob Fesco of 610 Sports Radio. As always, I am Paul J. Long, coming to you on the Fundamism Podcast, where we like to feature guests that are creating fun not only in their lives, but in the lives of others. So focus more on the things that give you strength as opposed to the things that tear you down. Bob, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, we're wrapping up on the note where you said the best thing that's happened to you today is being on this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope today you enjoy yours. Go out and create a little bit of fun for yourself and for those around you.